Hi, and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman Podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Joining me today is a new friend of mine, Gail Bick, who lives in my neighborhood on the North Shore of Chicago. Hi, Gail. How are you doing this morning? Hi, Eve. I'm doing great. Thanks. Good to have you here. And I'm so excited. Gail is one of the women that is going to be traveling with me, please God, in a couple months on my upcoming trip to Israel. So we're just getting started on building, hopefully, a long-lasting, beautiful, deep relationship. But when I met Gail a couple months ago at one of our meet and greets, when we landed here in Chicago, we right away found each other and found a topic of passion, a conversation. It was the first time we spoke and all of a sudden we're talking very, very deep. That's usually how I go. I get right to the chase. (laughs) And um, the conversation was a passion project that Gail is involved with. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get started on that passion project that we'll be explaining, I just want to give a short introduction. So Gail is a mother of three, a wife, a health advocate with over 20 years of experience. What I love about Gail is that I think her life is driven by passion. And once she had her newborn twins and they were in the NICU, she realized that there's so much confusion out there for patients. And she has devoted her life to helping people to avoid the uncertainty and the confusion out there. So she's a patient advocate and also a senior advocate, right? A senior advisor. I cannot even imagine how incredible it is for patients that are going through a hard time to have you by their side, because for you, it really comes from a place of caring and understanding, like personal understanding, and really a a desire to help people so they don't feel alone. So I'm very impressed with your bio. I looked you up on your website and master's degree and PhD and a bachelor's in business admin. I mean, you have taken this to the highest level to really, really step up and help people. And I just, I love that about you. Tell me if there's anything you want me to add to that. There's so much more on your bio. But aside from your work life, you also have a very active home life, tennis and hiking, kickboxing, reading. What don't you do, Gail? I don't cook. (laughs) Okay. We all have to have something. I'm like, phew. It's like Wonder Woman over here. I cook occasionally, but yeah, as I've told you, I don't cook or bake. And my husband is still talking about your challah. I know where to get the challah. I don't have to bake it myself. (laughs) Anytime. So thank you for coming on here. I want to jump right in and let our listeners know what your passion project is, which by title is Death and Chocolate, Larger Than Life Conversations. Okay, tell us about that. It is based on something called Death Over Dinner, which was developed by a man named Michael Hebb out in Seattle and is a national program that really brings people together to talk about a difficult conversation. And he used dinner, you know, breaking bread with someone is a way to get comfortable and be able to talk. And we use chocolate because we like to say chocolate makes everything better. 
So what we're doing is we're facilitating conversations where people talk about not just death. It ends up being about living too. I have a partner in this, Allison List, who's a psychotherapist who works with people who are facing chronic illness or at the end of life. And we were invited to participate in doing this with a class of students at DePaul University. And one of the students said something so profound. She said, we study dying so we know how to live. And I think that that really sums up what this program is about. The word death is in the title, which scares Mm. away a lot of people, but we end up trying to get people to just feel more comfortable talking about dying, end of life, but it becomes very much about how you're living now and what you want to do with the time you have. So these are really authentic conversations. They're meaningful and they require some vulnerability from participants. I mean, I've done this with groups of people where everyone knows each other. And I've done this with groups of people who are complete strangers. And in either case, it requires a willingness to put yourself out there and to share. And the way we get started really lends itself to creating that space, creating a safe space where people do feel comfortable. And a real goal of this is just to give people more comfort talking about tough topics so that they can then go home and talk to their spouse talk to their parents, talk to their children and get at what are your wishes? Mm. What do you want for yourself when the time comes? How do you want to be remembered? And the one you participated in, Eve, we did that question, which gets at what would you want someone to say about you in your eulogy? Mm. That really gets about like, how are you living? And are you living the way that you want to be remembered? Amazing. I mean, all the questions that you asked during your session were, were profoundly, I would say like intriguing. Like when it was over, I thought about it all day and all week. It really brought a lot of things that we don't usually spend time thinking about forward and front and center. And it's a beautiful way to live like that. But aside from that part of it, I would say part two is that you're actually helping people set themselves up for success so that when their time comes, there's a plan. People know what they want. I mean, when you spoke about this like death plan, like one of the questions was, what is your ideal death? Who is with you? Where are you? What are you doing? And have you shared this with your loved ones? So right away, I thought about a birth plan. Like we do this when we bring life into the world. That's such a good analogy. It it was exactly, I mean, don't you remember making your birth plan and packing your bag and setting things up by the door, like just (laughs) you're going to have to rush. It's the same thing. I mean, and really, if you think about it, life and death, it's transitioning from one place, one spiritual realm to another. That's really all it is. Right. And and honestly, I love that analogy that you just gave and, and I'm going to use it Yeah, please. <laughs> because it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's something that I think people can relate to. And just like a birth plan might not always go according to plan, yeah. a death plan might not either, but at least you've thought about it and you're hopefully going to get what you need at the end. I mean, mm. one of the saddest things about the last two years with COVID yeah. is all those stories of people dying alone in the hospital, because that's not an ideal death for anyone. Even if you are someone who wouldn't want your family with you at the moment, you know, to be alone in a hospital that sick, it's really heartbreaking. It's scary. It's scary for the person to let go. And you almost need to have the permission to look in someone's eyes. You're okay. You can let go. It's so important to feel some support during that transition because it is scary for people. I mean, one of my closest friends, his mother passed away and we were talking a few days later and he said he had this 
sometimes difficult relationship with her. But at the end, it was the most important that he was with her at the hospital. His father had already passed. He's an only child. You know, that he was with her and he held her hand at the end and, you know, told her he loved her and it was all good, you wow. know, at the end. And I've had other people say to me like, oh, I didn't do anything. I was just there. Mm. There's nothing more important than mm-hmm. being there mm. for people at those moments when they're scared, when they're suffering, when they're in pain. And it's an uncomfortable thing for a lot of people. And so if having conversations Mm -hmm. can help ease that comfort and make a really difficult situation easier for both the person dying and the family there, then I think that's making a huge contribution, people's comfort with it. Yeah. So Gail, tell us a little bit about how you do this hour, hour and 15 minute session. I mean, I experienced it. Thank you for sneaking me in. I loved it. I was blown away. I was also so happy to see it firsthand. We've spoken about it a couple of times, but to really experience how you make that space, I feel like that's an art. Okay. It's hard to jump right in. I didn't know one person there, but within a few minutes, I felt very comfortable to share about the people that I love, the people that I've lost. Everyone was sharing. It's you get amazing. That- and think about the one woman whose father was actively dying. She jumped right in there and shared. And that was personal and painful to be going through it literally in the moment and feel comfortable to share. I mean, I was really impressed with her and glad that the space was comfortable enough. She actually really set the tone, right? Because like she was the first one to share and it was so deep and raw and real that I think that gave permission for everyone else. But do you have it that groups that sometimes are not as willing to open up? Tell me some of your experience with these groups. To get at what you first asked, and then I'll answer that. So we start off with something we call creating space, where we ask everyone to go around the room and say the name of a loved one who's passed away or is close to death and share just a little bit about why that person was important. And we've had people talk about parents, grandparents, children, some of the stories, everyone's in tears at the table and other stories, people are crying, just talking about their loved one. And that creates a closeness to go on with the other questions, especially when you're sitting around the table together. We have a plate of different colored stones that everyone takes a stone and then puts it in the base in the middle to represent their loved one. I want to jump in for one second. There was a lot that I experienced in your program that was so Jewish. And I know that your program is not a Jewish program, but as a Jewish woman, I think you'd be interested in knowing some of the powerful similarities between what you're doing and our belief. When you did that first opener, creating space, you lit a candle. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that? We adapted it with those stones, but also you could do it where everybody lights a candle. And the first time we did this program, we did it for a bunch of colleagues in my home and someone knocked the candle over and spilled wax. So we kind of thought, oh, maybe the stones are a safer way to go than yeah, the candle. No fire hazard. This like- was on Zoom. And so yeah, I yeah. just held the candle for everyone. Yeah. But Gail, to- do you realize how Jewish that is? It's like a candle represents a soul. And yeah. here we are bringing all these souls up to our memory out into this forum, talking about them. There were smiles on people's faces. There were tears in people's eyes, really evoking people's memories. And a candle is so representative of a soul, of a neshama. And with the stones, I think the analogy to Judaism is when you go to a cemetery, you put a stone on the headstone. So there's a deeper meaning to it that I just learned this year. It's so powerful. So the Hebrew word for a stone is even, three letters, aleph, bet, nun. And that little word, that three-letter word actually spells 
two words. The first two letters spells of, which is a father, a parent. And the last two letters spells Ben, which is a son, a child. And this stone, what it represents is the continuation, passing on the legacy of a person. So there's so much meaning. I do need to give a shout out. So Allison and I got trained on this death over dinner facilitation by an organization called Reboot, which is a reformed Jewish organization that aims to make Judaism more accessible to people. And they did a death over dinner Jewish edition. We have used that, but doing it for an audience that isn't all Jewish, we have the death and chocolate adaptation. Nice. So nice. I'm pretty sure that Reboot came up with the candle piece just to mm -hmm. give credit but yeah as a safety matter we've gone to the stones because <laughs> also we've gone to places where they don't want us to bring the candles in libraries and senior okay. communities people's homes my book club was a kind of half willing test group for my first time running it <laughs> That's amazing. We've had all sorts of experiences. We've had groups that everyone's just gung-ho, ready to share and ready to talk. And I've had mixed groups where there might be people who pass on every question and don't say a word the whole time. And I've had some of those people come up to me after and say, even though I didn't speak, I got so much out of this. I just mm -hmm. wasn't ready to talk mm -hmm. yet but I learned so much. I'll tell you one time, my partner in this had someone get up from her table and walk out because it was just too much for her, but that was only once. That's <laughs> but a generally, people who know each other end up knowing each other better afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like at one senior community, we did this out a few months ago. There were people at the end saying, you know, I've never really talked to you before, but I've seen you around. Let's eat lunch together. It fuels connection. You know, mm. we live in a world where I think we're all looking for more connection. It's so easy to be disconnected and with social media and everything, but talking authentically and about meaningful topics really mm. fuels connection between people. Let's share some of the questions or some of your favorite questions that you ask, but just asking people like what they would want to be said about them in their eulogy. That's very powerful to think it's about. really powerful. Another one is we started off where we ask if you discovered you had 30 days left, how would you spend them? And we do that for a couple of reasons. I think one is it's not that difficult of a question. I mean, a lot of people are able to jump in with, I'd spend it with my family or I'd travel somewhere meaningful. Or It's a way to ease into it, but it also really makes you think, what would I want? Who's important to me that I'd want to spend that time with? What do mm -hmm. I need to do? You know, I've had people say they would clean their closets because they wouldn't want to leave a mess, but then oh. I've had people say they would make videos for their kids and their grandkids, mm. you know, to talk about what they meant to them and kind of leave a legacy letter. It's all over the board. And then a question that goes with that is if you were facing death in this hour, what would you be leaving unresolved? Hmm. As someone said, maybe it was you in that group, you don't know what day you're going to die. Right often, right? So it could be your last day, it could be your last hour, like what would you regret? What relationship isn't repaired that you would regret, mm. you know, leaving the world with it in that state as an example? That's I've been powerful. doing this for a few years. So I've thought about that. And I've made sure that I'm not leaving things unresolved. But I think it's a really powerful question. Mm, the hard conversations or the repairing, it's hard stuff because... And you know what? It's also okay to think about that question and think, I'm okay with leaving it that way. Like mm. the hurt is too deep, but at least you've thought about it. You've had the opportunity to think about those things. 
I love how one one of the guys in our group, he said, I think I'd travel, either I'd go to Israel or Disneyland. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you can't get more <laughs> two different places, but but it was it was kind of cute, like to see like there was still like a child inside him that had this dream to just have frivolous fun before he left. Right. And and then at the same time, he had like a deep dream, a spiritual connection that needed fulfilling. So right. I think we all hold both. We have these things that I wouldn't call anything petty, not at all. Everyone has dreams. If it's a dream to somebody, it's very, very significant to that person. So there's no judgment here. There's no right or wrong answer. It's, you know, what do you want? What do you need? We've all known people who, you know, say are dying of cancer and some of them want everyone to come visit and some don't want to be with anyone but their immediate family and it's all okay. Or don't want to inconvenience people, right? It's not that they want to be alone. They just don't want their children to be so inconvenienced by the length of the end of their days, right? I've seen that a lot. Like people are just like, let me just stay in an old age home and do my thing and don't worry about me. I don't want to infringe on you, my children. And yet like the children also have like a part in it. Like they might really want to be there until the very end. We talk about about when healthcare, when it comes to advanced care planning, we talk about how it's a gift to your mm-hmm. loved ones to make your wishes known. So not just putting things on paper, but having the conversations about what you want mm-hmm. from your family at the end of your life is also a gift. It's a gift to let people do for you and to be there for you. And to have those conversations about what do you need? What do I need? So we can take something difficult and make it as beautiful as possible. Having those connections and if you need closure on something. But these are hard conversations and our society just is not comfortable talking about death. Yeah. One of the lines you used was, it's always way too early to talk about death until it's too late. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's never the right time. It's just never the right time because we so are in the here and now and we like to focus on life. But as someone that has been involved with helping people transition, because as I've mentioned, I prepare bodies for burial as a volunteer of the Hever Kadisha. And so I listened some- to that podcast and it was, it was fascinating. And Eve, you're just amazing. It's been such a pleasure in a weird way, like a, a real privilege. It's just holy work. I always feel so small when I do it, like, who am I? But just to be a messenger, a shaliach, a helper in such holy work, it's life-changing. It also really puts things in crystal clear perspective. Like when you are holding death, you could live so fully. When you're comfortable with death, you can live. It's a game changer. That's so profound and so true, right? Because otherwise you're kind of living in fear of death. Yeah. And Judaism has such a deep perspective and understanding of what comes after. It's not like someone dies and it's over. We believe that the soul is eternal and the soul goes on to the world to come and has many reincarnations. And this is actually a topic, Gail, that you and I have been talking about with Sarah Yecheved Rigler's book called I've Been Here Before, which is the (laughs) reincarnated souls of the Holocaust. So it's a fascinating idea that many people also don't want to talk about. It's taboo. We don't know a lot about it. It really, frankly, scares us to talk about what we don't know about what we can't see, right? It just kind of makes us feel very uncomfortable. It sure does. (laughs) 
It sure does. I can think back to when my father-in-law passed away unexpectedly 16 years ago and my kids were very young and they asked me so many hard questions, you know, about where did Grampy go? What happens to him now? And I had never thought about what I believed about the afterlife. And I had to come up with something quickly to share with my kids. And I remember thinking through it and thinking it's so much more comforting to think that there is that afterlife, that the soul does go on. And that's what I'm choosing to believe. Because I grew up conservative Jewish, and there was no talk about afterlife that I find that you and others easily talk about. There is definitely a part of the Jewish faith that doesn't believe in an afterlife. But I think it's way more comforting to believe that there is one. Mm. And Sarah Riegler's book certainly (laughs) drives that point home. I just actually got off the phone with her yesterday. She's having an event. We're going to be a part of it. I'll see you there, right, Gail? (laughs) So I was speaking to her, and she said that her book is doing two things, her book and the conversation that we're going to have together, doing two things. One, it's bringing education about the soul and the afterlife, because she said in her experience, most Jews do not even realize that there is this whole other world. Like, as you said, you didn't grow up with it. So she said, that's her experience. People are like, what? I didn't know that. Okay, so that's one. And two, she's also trying to fight Holocaust fatigue because people are just Holocausted out. They don't want to talk about it anymore. And this is a big problem as we're losing all the survivors. Like we really need to hold on to the stories so that it will never happen again. So those are her two big motives for really getting this topic out there and talking about some of these souls that have been through a journey. So interesting. So fascinating. The other point I'd like to make about this is not exactly afterlife, but like after someone dies, I find that so often people won't talk about that person. Mm. And that's part of feeling comfortable with death, right? Is that even after someone dies, that you could still say their name in conversation or share a funny story about Mm. them or share something that was meaningful to them. And I see this a lot where people just aren't comfortable. They cut out that part or put it under the rug. Maybe it's too difficult or maybe it makes other people uncomfortable, Mm. but it's important to keep people's memories alive. I don't remember who said this, but there is a famous quote that you're not dead until your name is never spoken again. You're always alive as long as people are still talking about you and saying your name. Well, this is something that you shared was how can the dead be truly dead when they live in the souls of those they left behind? Yes. Meaning as long as they're being spoken about and thought of, there's a part of them that is still alive. Right. That's part of being comfortable talking about death because you're talking about someone who has died. And so I just think that this program is a great way to start getting people more comfortable with hard conversations. We have hard conversations in all aspects of our life. And so if this helps a little bit with any hard conversation, it's a win. That's so great. I think this is fabulous. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to experience what you're doing. And I think a lot of people would really get a lot out of this program. So maybe you could share with us how we could find you, hear more, sign up for a session. I think you're going to post my contact info with the website, but people can reach out to me through my website. 
intunehealthadvocates.com and email me or call me. We set up programs for different groups like through different organizations. We would do one for a family or a group of friends or someone's book club. It'd be great to pair it with a book on the topic and then do this program, you know, for a book group. We've done it for a Hadassah group. It was interesting with that Hadassah group. They, without telling me, they changed the name of the program on their flyer to their members because they didn't want the word death or dying anywhere on it. What and did they call it? I don't remember exactly, but I didn't know about it till that day. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then my partner and I were, we were like, huh, how many people are going to show up and be upset when they learn what the topic is? Mm. So it's like in the one way they were kind of protecting people trying to get more people to show up by not using the word death. But then we were pretty nervous about how people were going to respond, but it went great. Wow. Yeah. There is even that level of comfort where someone would take the word death out of the program title. Yeah. That's very telling and very real, but unfortunate also, right? It's like, this is a part of life, right? And there's no way to get through this world without dying. It happens to every single person. So, so that becoming comfortable with the reality I think it's a, it's a good place to start. You know, one other thing that I'm thinking about as we conclude is learning a little bit and having these hard conversations could really prepare you Jewishly for how you want to be buried. And there are Jewish laws and rituals and beautiful, beautiful traditions about how the body is buried and with prayers and with ceremony and tahara, which is a ritual purification of the body. It's so beautiful. And I think very often Jews just don't know necessarily what the options are. And they might just choose to cremate, which is not a Jewish idea. And just learning about it and having this conversation could possibly help people make the right choice for them to do it the Jewish way if they are a Jew. And that is so, so huge. Like their last opportunity to do a mitzvah in this world, like to be buried according to Jewish law. What a powerful way to leave. Well, thank you so much, Gail. This was fascinating thank and fabulous, you. just as you are. And is there anything you want to leave us with? Powerful words to close this out? Maybe one experience that has touched you? I just want to encourage people to talk about these things. And especially, you know, if you're older, if you have parents who are older and, mm. and dealing with health concerns, have these conversations, find out what they want, find out about their life and what it meant for them. One thing people like to do at the end of their life, and this is according to like theories on aging, is make sense of their life. Mm -hmm. And so just listening to an older person tell their stories helps them get ready to face their own mortality. To listen to an older person as they try to understand why they were here and what what the meaning was to their life and, and just really be present for it. So I would encourage people to really sit down with family and friends and have these hard conversations because I think the most common thing we hear after our program is this was so inspiring. Mm -hmm. I feel so energized. I thought I'd be sad, but I'm actually excited about talking about these things. So it, it really does leave you feeling good. You feel good being able to talk about this stuff. And, and I think it, it really is so meaningful to be able to talk with your family in this way. It's so huge. That's amazing. Thank you so, so much. And you should have lots of strength to continue doing this holy work and to helping people get comfortable in these 
very uncomfortable conversations, but it's really such a game changer. So you should continue, Gail, continue going Thank strong. You. How many sessions have you done? We were on a roll before COVID and then it kind of shut down any in-person programs. We've done a few on Zoom. I totally prefer them in person though. Um, but we can do it on Zoom. We've worked that out. Each one is fabulous. Mm. Truly, each one is fabulous. And there are certain people that stick out, you know, after all this time um, for what they said. And some people are really funny in these conversations. Some are very deep and emotional. You know, emotional. It runs the gamut. Intense. Yeah. You know, when I got off the session, the rest of my day, wherever I went, I, I kind of felt like special. There was something special. Like I felt like this, like skip in my step, extra vigor in my energy. And I told my husband when he came home later that night, I said, I did something so meaningful today. And that's how it felt. It just felt like such a deep, meaningful conversation. And that is precious. You didn't know anyone but me in the group. And I know a bunch of the people, but a lot of them I've never met in person. And I think that would be the experience of most people. Yet there was this comfort that people had sharing. And, and I do credit a lot of it to the woman who went first and how willing she was to open up. But I mean, I was really blown away by how comfortable people felt and, and how much they shared. Loved it. Loved it. I'll end with this quote by Rabbi Heschel. He said, build your life as if it were a work of art. So we'll mm -hmm. end with that. That's the blessing to everyone today. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye, Gail. Bye. Thank you, Eve. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great inspired day.